Welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Today, my friend Chad Hasten stopped in again to have a beer and chat about cannabis. Cannabis is something that I know very little about, so it's nice to sit down with someone like Chad that doesn't mind answering my silly questions on the subject. Today, we focused mostly on the concept of stigmas that surround the use of cannabis. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. I'm with my friend, Chad, and we are drinking beer this time. Last time, we were not. You didn't like IPAs, so we went 180 and got you something a little fruity. You did. But it's good, though. It is good. It's a blackberry and plum. From my friends at Blind Man Brewing, they are geniuses. It's weird to me that a company called Blind Man Brewing would put so much time and effort into their label. Oh, Blind Man being not their target demographic. It's the river that runs through Lacombe. Ah. Yeah. Was it at some point known for blinding men? Yes. And really good fishing. Len Thompson, if you'd fish at all, Len Thompson's famous for spoons. If you've ever caught a jackfish, you've used a Len Thompson spoon. They are made in Lacombe, Alberta. I feel that I have stumbled into some outdoorsman's podcast. I know nothing of fishing. Well, sucks to be you. But what you do know is cannabis. Did you give yourself the title of expert or or have you earned the title expert? No, I, I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself a storyteller of other people's expertise. And the more time I spend in this industry, the more people I meet that know so much more than I could ever hope to know. But I am learning but no, I don't think I'm an expert. I'm a marketing expert, I would say. Right. And I specialize in, in cannabis. I've had a few successes in the cannabis world, but I'm not an expert in cannabis as a plant. But you are going to tell me stuff. People are going to listen to this. And can they be reasonably assured that what they're hearing from you is, is true? Yes. Yeah. Reasonably. Reasonably. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a beer podcast. Where, where are they really holding me as far as... Right. Education and like, did they really come here? They, they got a paper due tomorrow. And if I could just fit in this podcast, I'm pretty sure I could get an A. That's no, where we're that, at. That's, no, that's, that's not, not going to happen. Uh, no, but, but I do have some expertise. So it's kind of like how we were talking about my dad. Love my dad. Mm-hmm. Most of what he said is based in truth. Yes. But don't repeat it verbatim without first searching it on Google. Yeah. His stories are inspired by actual events. Yes. I'm telling you about actual event. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Today, (laughs) I want to talk about the concept of stigmas surrounding cannabis and stuff like that. One of the things that you correct me on all the time is I always call it weed or marijuana. Mm -hmm. And that I don't know if that really falls into the stigma category, but you were telling me why even the word marijuana comes from a place of stigma to some degree. Yeah. I've been marketing cannabis for the last few years, but before that I was a consumer of the plant recreationally and medically. And I always called it weed, pot, smoke a joint, have a boot. And I'm not against slang. I I think the culture of cannabis is one of the best parts about it. It's, It's pretty chill. Yeah. You don't want to make it pretentious. No, but the exception to that for me is the word marijuana. And not because it makes me feel bad. Like It's not like I, I say you can't. But in the nature of our conversations, cannabis is the plant. 
Marijuana is a term that was very much coined at a time when those with interests in squashing cannabis tried to connect it to Mexicans as a the devil's lettuce type thing. So they were saying that connecting it to Mexicans somehow, was there a negative connotation towards Mexicans? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, If you can imagine a different time. Yeah, yeah, I can. When Mexico was not revered as much as it is now. There's sometimes people suggest that crime, rapists, not so great people come from Mexico. So they tried to connect that. At the time when marijuana was really turned on, it was being used for textiles, it was being used for medicine, and it was called cannabis. As part of the propaganda against it, they had to coin a different term that people weren't as comfortable with. And marijuana fit the image of a scary Mexican influence and, you know, African American, or at that time, you know, Negro influence of jazz clubs. And, and, and so rather than calling it cannabis, they called it marijuana and tried to attach that negative stick. So, so anything that, that was potentially people being ignorant at the time and anything that was potentially seen as scary or what people didn't know, you know, they wanted to kind of attach cannabis to that so that it'd be like, exactly. if you're scared of that, you should also be scared of marijuana. Right. But cannabis is in my cough syrup or was, right? And hemp is in my right. fields. Like the Declaration of Independence was written on on cannabis. So right. how do you get me scared of something that's so commonplace? Well, we rebrand it. It's something I'm somewhat familiar with. Right. So we rebranded as this terror that you should fear and uh, marijuana at that time. That's what they called it. Would you say by and large people are less scared of the concept of of cannabis and marijuana like is it something that is becoming more of a household conversation in general i think so yeah i mean the fact that we're having a, a podcast about it as two professional individuals with families and we probably wouldn't speak this candidly about cocaine doing that as a drug not that we would have a lot to talk about in that area but the cannabis is is much more accepted yeah but it's accepted by those that are willing to accept it or are willing to take in the truths or, or the science behind it. And I don't mean that everybody that learns about cannabis has to love it, but you shouldn't fear it based on misconceptions. Well, and that's what I always say. It's like, you know, have conversations, mm -hmm. um, ask questions. I mean, if there's something that scares you about something, I'm almost more inclined to kind of lean into that and, and want to learn more about it than to, to block it off. So I think that having the conversations about, about cannabis it's not necessarily that you're going to come out of it being like, oh, let's go get high. It's just you at least see a balanced conversation in, in it. So one of the questions I want to ask you is, I guess there's different ways to consume cannabis. Obviously, we've, we've talked about it in the past. As a concept, though, is cannabis bad for you? What an excellent question. Well, thank you, Chad. <laughs> I recently wrote a blog about this, and I'll, I'll plug my company once per podcast. Yeah, you do that all the time. So Once you can just do a podcast. You can do it however many times you want. So stigmagrow.ca, we have a blog that that tackles specifically based on our name, stigmas, and try to educate in a way that is able to grasp, mostly providing links to other smarter people's studies, but providing some context. And I wrote on this, is it bad for you? And And the approach that I took is typically, and the way that you said it, is cannabis bad for you or is cannabis bad for you? I would say put the emphasis on a different word. Go with, is cannabis bad for you? 
And there's a way that you can really narrow it down through that sort of lens. So first of all, you know, pull out your driver's license. If you don't have a driver's license because you're too young, it's not for you if you're under 18. But even if you're, you know, between the ages of 18 and 25, do a little bit of research on on the effect that that cannabis can have on a developing brain. It's important to know what's perfectly safe for a fully developed body might not be as safe. Uh, so, so get to know about that. Obviously, if you have an ailment, a, a sickness or or something that you're suffering with and you haven't been able to find relief, there are a ton of applications that cannabis has for sickness and, and well-being, you know, everything from cancer and tumors and, and, and AIDS to, you know, skin irritation and inflammation and arthritis. There's tons of things that cannabis could do, and you don't have to just roll the dube and smoke it to get the benefit. You know, there's topicals and edibles and and tinctures and, you know, drops you can take in your drink, ways that you can get those benefits. So if you're able to look at all of those things and they don't apply to you, and then you're just looking at it for something recreational, then try it like, like anything, get an education about it. Try it somewhere that, you know, you're, you're safe, a safe place with someone that you trust, go low and slow and figure out exactly what the fit is for you. Cannabis works with our cannabinoid system, there's no other plant or, or product or anything on earth that was literally designed to work with our bodies. So to write it off right away as being bad for you, instead of maybe dissecting what it could do that's good and avoiding that which may be bad, I think that's more the question. And with education, I would say that for most people, there's probably something about cannabis that would be really good for you. Now, when I think about smoking it versus edibles and the topicals you've talked about, smoking cannabis would be bad for you in the same way smoking anything would be bad for you though, right? From a lung perspective or? I mean, yeah, smoking, inhaling smoke is bad for you. But yeah, I think that's what you're saying. Because it's not as bad as smoking crack or smoking cigarettes, but smoke as a- As a concept in your lungs. Is is not great. Is not great. No. So, but if you don't want that, and we've talked about it before, I mean, like, even just from a stigma perspective of, you know, walking into a room and smelling like you just smoked a joint. Exactly. Whereas, you know, if you have it as an edible or something like that, you can get the positive effects without your mom looking like, really, Mark? Yeah. You're at your grandma's 90th birthday and you had to get high. Yeah. Well, well my grandma's been dead for a long time. Oh, that was man. just a hypothetical. But she would, yeah, she'd make an appearance just to chastise. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you said a couple things there. You've got the smell and then you've got the really, you got high. And it's true. Cannabis has a long way to come in that if you're smoking cannabis, it's because you're trying to escape something. You're trying to get high. You're trying to change, alter your state of mind. It's the psychedelic cannabinoids that you care about. When really cannabis as it stands right now, you've got all kinds of benefits that have nothing to do with getting high. Not to say that we don't thoroughly enjoy consuming it to get high as well. Right. So there's two stigmas there to get rid of. But as a general courtesy, I don't like it when I get in an elevator with someone that smells like smoke, regardless of whether it be barbecue smoke. Uh, it's not cool. That's true. So it's just a, a courtesy thing that, uh, yeah, I don't want to reek of pot everywhere I go. Right. And that's fair. Next question. Is it addictive? I know you're laughing, but the reason I asked, is it addictive is I know guys that smoke it all the time. You're looking at one. <laughs> I'm looking at one. But like for me, I've smoked it. It's fine. It is what it is. But I don't on a daily basis think, you know what I need is I need to get high right now. 
So I don't feel like it is addictive, but yet the people that are smoking it every day or consuming it on a daily basis, how is it that some people are drawn to it, some people aren't, if it's not addictive? Okay. So I believe anything can be addictive, not to cop out, but you know, sugar, television, beer, cigarettes, crack, shopping, everything could be addictive. I want to be clear that what I'm talking about right now is a physical chemical reaction in your body that forces you to crave the drug. And if you don't get it, you suffer as a result. So the science behind cannabis doesn't suggest that that is the case. Having said that, as somebody that smokes on a regular basis or consumes extracts on a, on a regular basis, I would say that I'm most likely addicted to it. It's become part of my life. But what it hasn't done is affected my ability to function in all other areas. So I feel like it's an addiction that I'm able to manage. And from a health perspective, because I've eliminated some of the things like inhaling smoke on a regular basis and keep in constant communication with my doctor about what I take and why, I've actually been able to get rid of a lot of other things in my life and had this as a replacement. Now, can I go to work without smoking it? Of course, I have to <laughs> legally. But I can tell you that if I don't smoke on a daily basis, it's, it's tough for me to fall asleep at night, but I don't shake or sweat or can't go anywhere in right. the world without it. It's more of a discomfort. And the few times that I have taken tolerance breaks or, or quit for any period of time for any reason, it's a few days and, and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from heavy consumption to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like guys coming down from like heroin and stuff where they're like, you know, they exactly. have to be locked in a room for 10 days. Like, yeah. Train yeah. spotting. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, cigarettes and alcohol. Look at the industries that revolve around getting people off of alcohol addiction and off of cigarette addiction or, or harder drug addiction. Right. That simply doesn't exist for cannabis. Okay. It just, it doesn't, that people do try to get off it, but you see the movie half-baked. Yes. You know, Bob Saget. Yeah. When he stands up and says, you know, that guy's in, are you in here for some marijuana? It's laughable anyone that says that they're hooked on weed. But having said that, I have seen people that can't afford to buy weed, buying weed, sacrificing other parts of their life for it. And I believe they're truly addicted they're to it for whatever reason. But, but like, it's rare. But your analogy to other things like shopping and stuff like that, like I get that. Like you can be addicted to things that aren't biologically addictive. Yeah. You know, they're, they're addictive for other reasons. To me, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's beer or cannabis or or anything really to me like i for the most part like being coherent and so yeah. i like to spend most of my day and most of my time in life sober because i just enjoy most interactions on a sober basis now hypothetically because i think this is something we talked about before when we talk about marijuana and some people take it say to relieve themselves of stress or or stuff like that so I think about it and I'm saying this is hypothetical. Okay. Say, for example, I was going to my in-laws house yeah. and I took a gummy bear okay. and that got me through the uh, experience in a more positive way than just going to my in-laws house without having taken the gummy bear. This is a cannabis gummy bear? Yeah. And again, we're talking hypotheticals here. I always wonder, is there something, is there an underlying issue that I should be addressing where instead of saying, okay, I can only go to my in-laws if I'm slightly high, should I be saying, you know what, maybe there's something with my in-laws I need to address or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. But what you're talking about is mental health. 
Right. I don't, I don't, I don't deal with that. I'm talking about it hypothetically. <laughs> yes. I think the fifth time you say hypothetically, yeah, it becomes yeah, painfully yeah. obvious. Yeah. But you're right though. It Anything can be used as an escape. But again, I don't want to be, you know, the NRA saying, well, you could get killed with a toothbrush. Are we going to ban toothbrush? I accept responsibility on behalf of cannabis users everywhere. But I, I get it. it it's, yeah. it's a drug. My, my wife would be in here laughing her ass off if I was saying anything other than I am addicted to cannabis. But again, different addictions you're able to function quite well with. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll use a personal example like you just did. No, I use a hypothetical. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I will also use the exact same type of hypothetical. So when I come home from work at the end of the day, and I know a lot of people like that, Oftentimes, before I step in to greet everybody, I will take the time in the garage, have a little hoot from a vape pen, right? I walk in happy, stress-free. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not doing anything. And I'm in the mood to play with my four-year-old and two-year-old that come running down. Right. If I'm addicted to that, and, and there is really no negative to that, you know, it fades away after a couple hours. I have an evening with my children. I hang out with my wife. I go to bed. I get up for work. I have a real time. But if I do that every single day, and that defines me as an addict, then I don't see the harm in that when you compare it to even a drink, where if you have to drink every single day, there's science behind what that's doing to you, what it's doing to your liver and, and long-term. So even if nobody else can tell, that's an addiction that I feel is genuinely hurting. There isn't a lot of science telling me, if I'm not smoking, what the damage of putting cannabis in my system on a daily basis is. That makes sense. And we were chatting about this over a nice lunch at the Danish club today. Wasn't that nice? It was. You've never had so much cabbage in your life. You didn't even eat your cabbage, by the way. And yet, your statement is still true. I did try a little. So we were talking about the whole concept of the gateway drug and cannabis being a gateway drug. And you obviously think of that as as kind of as bullshit. Horseshit. Horseshit. Bullshit. Two different types of shit. Yeah. But meaning the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What do you mean by that though? If people think that by smoking cannabis, you're going to physically crave a more intense high after a certain period of time, which is typically the case for alcohol or or drugs in general, you build up a tolerance, you need more and more and more for anything, really coffee. If that's the case and everyone that smokes a joint is in danger of heading down that path to harder drugs. Let's say the harder drug here is, let's just pick uh, uh, meth, methamphetamines, um, cocaine, and heroin. Those are three pretty bad ones, I think. Those will get you. Yeah, those will get you. So, you know, you have somebody that smokes weed and then inevitably they hit down that path because it's a gateway to that. Then we're talking Globally, you got to think maybe a billion people or a little under a billion people have tried or have no problem with smoking cannabis at some point in time. Right. And yet the numbers of people that are suffering from methamphetamine addictions or trying to come down from heroin, albeit certainly not something to, to slough off, like it's seriously an issue with some people, I get it. But the percentage of cannabis users that ended up there is so minuscule that you can't make a logical connection that cannabis is a gateway drug. So the alternative to that argument is, well, we interviewed a thousand people that had done heroin or had, you know, snorted cocaine. And they said that the very first drug that they did was cannabis. So therefore gateway drug. Right. But again, 
if I wanted to try drugs for the first time, I probably wouldn't start with heroin. If I was the type of person that wanted to experiment, I would go with something that was probably cheap, not a huge more accessible, risk, too. more accessible, something that my buddy Billy from school could get me from his brother, right? Not something like heroin. I, to this day, I don't know where to get heroin. So if anybody is listening here and had no, so it makes sense that somebody that had done heroin had also done cannabis, but it doesn't mean that by doing cannabis, they headed there, right? There's a lot of research about it that suggests it actually has a lot more to do with your peer group and that peer groups that all do any kind of drug will likely continue to be a group that does drugs. And if you get in with that group, that's probably the gateway that's going to have you experience all these drugs. Yeah. They also, just to wrap up the, the scientific side or the study side of this that I read up on, alcohol and cigarettes were far more prominent across the board for heavy addictions than cannabis was. And unlike alcohol and cigarettes, cannabis has been proven to help people get off hard drugs by helping them deal with the drawbacks and withdrawal symptoms that they're feeling from trying to come off of a harder drug. So it's literally proven while the, it being a gateway hasn't been proven, it is proven as a gateway off hard drugs, which I think is so it is a game ironic. I guess we have come full circle. <laughs> yeah, we have come full circle. So, and it is interesting, you know, talking about these things, because these are all the things that basically you're trying to unravel all of Nancy Reagan's, the great work that she did in the 80s. The egg work. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, everything that I was told as a child. But, you know, for me, it's great to, to be able to ask these questions and, and to get a, a better understanding because- it's not that I'm pro or anti-cannabis. I'm I'm kind of indifferent. Like if people enjoy it, great. If they don't, I don't really care. But at the same time, it doesn't really help anybody to be talking about things that are a like not true and just stereotypes that you know were around in the '60s and '70s that you know a were based sometimes on on racism. I know talking about different drugs when I was back in my university years and and why they were banned and you know it had a lot more to do with who was doing them exactly. and stuff like that than exactly. it was the harmful effects of it so to me it's like let's just have real conversations about it it doesn't by any means for me mean hey go out there and try it if if you don't like it you don't like it but just you know get educated on it and then make informed decisions exactly if you're going to refrain refrain based on an understanding yeah uh, don't let fear drive anything in your life yeah and the education is out there and getting more and more. So really no excuse. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for doing this. I really want to do it again soon. Like I said last time, my goal is with this is to kind of get into you know deeper conversations of, of certain aspects of the industry, because I think for a lot of people, you know, we are still ignorant about a lot of the things. And so just kind of having these conversations is is good. Maybe eventually we'll have one related to something non-cannabis, say, uh, I think we were talking about mushrooms a little while ago. So yeah, I, I would very much like to talk about microdosing at some point. Psychedelics. I like it. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Kondrat. I'm the host of the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Each week, I have a conversation with community builders and entrepreneurs who have inspired me personally. For more information on this podcast, please visit letsmeetforabeer.com. And for information on other projects I'm working on, please visit albertabeerfestivals.com. 
Thanks again for your support. Remember to tune in next week for another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Bye.